On today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I started having these visions of what life could be like if I became the owner and all the things that I could do and all the things that I would be capable of doing. And then when I started having those visions, that became more exciting than being the, the star of the show. Right. The star of the show is cool as long as you don't have ambitions of going bigger. But the moment you want to go bigger, being the star of the show is the thing that's holding you back. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf. Featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, what's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. This week, we've got Juan Morales on the King stage. What's up, brother? How you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thanks so much, Chaz, for having me here. I'm excited to get into this with you and give some value to your audience, man. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. I hope that I didn't completely butcher your name. You did not. You did it perfectly well. <laughs> okay, good, good. The three years of Spanish that I took in junior high has paid off, apparently. I love it. I love it. Yeah. What's your Spanish look like? Do you remember? Uh, I think un poquito is about all I know as of right now. Yeah. That is perfect. <laughs> very little, not very good. Juan, please tell us what kind of business that you're in, man. Yeah, man. At the moment, I am running a property management company that is focused on short-term rentals or AKA Airbnb, as some people yeah. know it, but we do much more than that. We're trying to scale and get into a small boutique hotels and maybe one day we'll be the next Marriott. Who knows? So hey. that's what we got going on right now. And you're doing all of this on the beautiful Puerto Rico. That is correct. Yes. We are located in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and we are on the beach. All of our properties are either looking at the ocean. So one of my motives was I want to have million dollar ocean views. That was like my whole focus. And then since then, we've actually uh, diversified into getting properties that are near the beach. And that at the end of the day, they offer really great value to travelers. That's really what the focus has been. I think that's where the future is going. And that's what we're focusing on. I love it. I love, I, a couple of years ago, I had moved for a short period of time to South Florida and um, being from Kansas City, where we have no beaches and such, obviously I've been to the beach before, but when I moved there, I realized I'm not so much of a go to the beach kind of a guy, but I'm a view guy. So everything yes. that you just said to me is, if you can give me a million dollar view, I'll take it all day long. I can operate at a high level if I've got a good view. Dude, that's, like, that's exactly what, since the day one, I started this entire business out of what I wanted, where I wanted to be living and what I wanted to experience, which was to be in a space where I could look at the ocean all the time. And I figured that if I liked that, other people would as well. And I just doubled down on that and it's worked out really well. That's awesome, man. It's, it's, I think that it's a, you could say the same thing about the mountains or whatever view that you like as whoever's listening today. But I think that if you can get it, get yourself in a really, for me, it, I didn't realize that it gave me a clarity of headspace where I was like, I enjoyed looking at the ocean or the beach or just the color of the water, or I like the mountains too. If just the view itself, it just took me to a place of just probably clarity or peace that I hadn't really ever experienced before on a regular basis. So I'm just like, 
I'll take a view all day long. <laughs> For sure. I think, I think I love that too. And I think our guests love it too. And it's actually been not only a good idea, but it's also been a very good business strategy. When things happen in the short-term rental space, a lot of people yeah. worry about, can I rent my place or not? And right. what I found is that if you give people like the best of the best, they will book that no matter what's going on in the world, always through pandemics and through any natural disasters. Those are the best places to, to have as a business. And also I think it's because people find the benefits of it. And especially now when we're working all remotely, you don't yeah. want to be working in a enclosed space. You want, if you don't have the space, but you have the view, that kind of compensates yeah. for that. Yeah, no, I love that perspective. Okay, so... <clears throat> Before, before we jump into some of your history and the story, how you've become successful and doing seven figures plus, I want to know what pushes you, like what drives you? Why are you still doing the game even at this level of success? That is a really good question. I believe it might be fear, man. It might be fear of having right. to go get a nine to five, having to take orders from someone else. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, losing the freedom to have options and so that I can choose to get on a plane tomorrow and I can choose to go and do the next thing that I want to do. And I think it's that we work entrepreneurs are crazy because we do what most people wouldn't do because it's really hard. We don't do anything that's easy because that would be a job. Yeah. And for me, yeah, my biggest driver is I want to continue having options in the future and I want to be able to control that. And I want to also exploit my potential, right? I know that in, inside of me, I know that I can do a lot more. Yeah, of course. And I know that I can't stay at home and hope for things to happen. I want to go and create them. And it's a combination of that fear of losing my freedom, fear of losing the options, and also knowing that I have some potential in me that I need to leverage. And that's really the biggest driver, man. It's not really money. Like every time I get a little bit more money, I don't necessarily get any happier. But when I can go and do really cool stuff, that costs yeah. money that I can pay, yeah. then it makes it real. So hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't help but think there in the moment of, you said, when I get more money, it doesn't necessarily make me more happy. I was just putting myself in that, of that shoes of getting more money. And every time I get more money, I do another deal, which is what brings me joy and happiness. I think that it's not necessarily the funds of buying things. I think that we all like nice things, but at some point to your, your answer there, I think that it has to go beyond that. Was that always in you? Did you have that before you got to this level? Was that pushing you even when you got started? When I started my first business, it was actually a kite surfing school. So in 1998, I learned how to do kite surfing. Okay. And in 2002, I was actually already teaching kite surfing and wow. there was less than maybe a hundred people in the world doing kite surfing. When I started, I was 12 years old. That was 24 years ago. And I it started out with passion for something that I really enjoyed and that others found that I was really good at and that they were willing to pay me for that. Yeah. And then because of the nature of kite surfing, it's actually a seasonal sport and it's okay. also a seasonal business. I was all of a sudden I found in a very short period of time making the money that I would make for the year and then having four months off. So then I was like, okay, what do I do with these four months? I'm not going to go work for someone else. Maybe I should go travel. And was, while I was traveling, I started find like even more motivation to go sure. back and work harder on my business on the next season, make a little bit more money so I could have more options. And then it started compounding into reading books about entrepreneurship, 
about real estate and all these things. And I started unlocking more and more doors in my brain of things that I was able or possibly could do. And, and one thing led to another. And I just started challenging myself every time. I just, I think an entrepreneur is somebody that's a very curious person sure. that loves yeah. challenges and doesn't mind risk, calculated sure. risk. And I think I have that personality in me. So yeah, hundred percent, man. I love what you said about the seasonality too, because obviously here in Kansas City or anybody you know north of here, we've got all four seasons, and which includes snow. And so any outdoor company um, is going to not be able to operate two, three, sometimes maybe four or five months out of the year, depending upon what state that they're in and how much snow or whatever. And so. I think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs potentially even listening today who they just wind things down and take the season off, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If that's the end game, if that's the lifestyle that you're looking for, but like what you just said, it, it was time that allowed you to like press into the DNA of who you are, which is I'm an entrepreneur. I'm hungry. I want to go after the next thing. And so I have these months, which turned into opportunity, which then, like you said, turned on the curiosity switch, turned on your, how do I solve problems switch? And you started providing some other solutions, which eventually turned into a whole nother big business. Do you even do any kite surfing anymore outside of leisure? I do it. But uh, in, uh, in 2017, that business that was like making decent money, like more than I needed to live off of uh, right. on the lifestyle I had, we had a hurricane in Puerto Rico uh -huh. that basically killed the power in the island for about three months and in some parts of the island for about a year. Yeah. So obviously there was bigger problems and bigger things that we had to focus on more than learning how to kite surf. That's so right. even though a lot of my business were travelers, I did have some locals as well. And then the venue where I had my setup actually got shut down. Yeah. And I was, I thank God I had some savings. I had about a hundred thousand dollars saved up and I had money, but the entrepreneur in you, the moment your business stops making money, you get right. fearful. You realize, like, okay, what's going to happen? Yep. And I've never been the type of person where I just kick back and I say, okay, I'm set. I don't have to work anymore. So I, uh, I just sat on my couch. I started like thinking about what I was going to do. <clears throat> and then I, uh, I had already started a side business, which I think is a really important lesson for anybody that's, an, that's a business person. You have to stop thinking as, okay, I am a plumber. I'm an electrician. I'm a real estate guy. You got to stop thinking about that. You got to start thinking that I am a businessman or I'm a businesswoman, right? And what that means is that you have to open up your possibilities to not only the stuff that you're good at, but other stuff that you could do as well that has some sort of relation to your expertise. So right. for me, it was, I was always obsessed about real estate. I started reading a bunch of books. I read the, the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, which yep, like basically changed the game for me. And I made, it made me realize that if I wanted to get to the next level, I had to get into real estate. So in, in 2012, I actually did a rental arbitrage lease, a deal for Airbnb. I didn't even realize what I was doing. I didn't even know that it was a thing. And I actually had a side business while I was running my kite surfing school where I had this one apartment that was being rented on Airbnb and it was paying for itself and actually making some money. And then the next year I decided to add one more because it was very little work. And then by the time we got to the hurricane date, which is 2017, I already had four Airbnbs and I was making a little bit of money. Not enough money to replace my business income, sure. but enough so that I could get working and just realize that I just had to do more of this yeah. and I could make it into a business. So that's how I transitioned into my, my new business, which is the real estate. And the kite surfing school has become more of a side gig 
now and the Airbnb has become the main business. Yeah, I think that what you described is a pivot, right? It's a successful pivot. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that just going through the pandemic, whether it be a hurricane, like you said that before, before the pandemic, or just a market shift right now in real estate, there's a market shift. And so you have to be able to, like you said, think of yourself as a business person or an entrepreneur. And what that means is that I'm running a business and I'm willing to take greater risk than the average person. So that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a tradesman or a technical person of this specific kind. For sure. Maybe I have some skill sets here, but I've got to be willing to bob and weave. In fact, I was, it was so interesting. I was literally just watching a video, actually it was a replay of some kind of President Trump who was saying this exact same thing. He was like, you can be in this industry, you can be in that industry, but basically you've got to be, you've got to be persistent to press through, but you've got to be flexible. You can't just be so stuck on something that you don't you know, flex or what he said, Bob and weave, you got to be able to be flexible, but you have the persistence to never quit. And so when you take the ownership or the identity, as you just said, of I'm a business owner, or I'm an entrepreneur, then you're always going to press into whatever the opportunity is at hand. And whether you need to pivot and change it, then you pivot and change it and you move on. It doesn't necessarily change the identity of who you are. Yeah, man. It's funny that you say that because they, all these ideas didn't just come into my brain, right? Like I, a lot of the stuff that I say or that I do is because either I heard it from somebody else and it just made a lot of sense to me yeah, or I actually heard it and I put it to practice and then I found my own way and really the, the real truth behind it. But what I have found is that if you're an entrepreneur, you do need to find like a, a balance between going, let's say 85 to 90% all in on what you're best at for sure. Okay. Like I, I don't think you need to be so diversified that, you know, that sounds good in theory, but the reality is if you're good at, let's say marketing, just be the best at that. If you're right. the best in like fixing and flipping properties, just be the best at that. But that doesn't mean that you cannot explore other side businesses where you're not allocating a lot of your time. You're not right. allocating a lot of your resources, but it can generate a little bit of income and you can deploy some of your expertise into second business where all mm -hmm. of a sudden it, it kind of becomes something of its own. And it's something that can generate a little bit of income on the side for you, God forbid, you know, what you're doing stops working. I can tell you my experience, I've, I've had to pivot from one business to the other. And I'm very glad that I did it. And I don't think I would have been able to do it if I didn't have this mentality or mindset of let's always explore as an example. Right, right now, my current business is doing very well. In theory, I don't have to work anymore. I could be right. traveling and having fun or whatever. And I do that. But at the same time, I'm always thinking, okay, what other things could we do? As an example, we started like a little car rental company, right? So I started thinking, I have apartments. What else do my guests need that right. I can provide? Yep. So then let me go ahead and get a couple of nice cars that I can use for myself and then just rent them out. So that yep. starts as a side business. Then we start understanding how that works. And then we can all of a sudden start adding more cars. Before you know it, you have 50 cars. Right. Start making a couple million dollars a year. And it all starts from just getting curious, right? So that's yep. just one example. Yeah, I love the example. And it's obviously hits home for you. But I think that there's a lot of ancillary products or services like that. A lot of entrepreneurs. Ancillary. That's the word I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. They just miss out on them because they're closed-minded. And so at the same time, too, I think you did a great job of describing a shiny object syndrome. <laughs> yes. And not being swift away or swept away by the new flashy thing and making sure that you're true to your roots of where the actual business comes from. So that's great. I want to know in this journey here, obviously you've given us already so much to think about. Was there a good decision that you made that just really 
has put you on the map where you are today? I would say the, the best decision I did was there's two really good decisions. One was the moment that my previous business stopped working and I had to make that decision. It didn't take me that long. It was made over like a YouTube video. I was watching my couch. I watched a video from Robert Kiyosaki yep. saying savers are losers. I had 100K in the bank. And I was like, you're right. Let me go ahead and freaking put this money into play. I was probably, what, 20, low, like 29 or 28 or something like that. And I was like, man, the worst that can happen is I lose this money. I'm still young. So that was a big decision, making that decision and doing it quick, not overthinking it. Yeah. The other really good decision I made was that once the business started working, I decided to figure out a way that I can make it run without me. Yeah. And I think this is the biggest bottleneck for entrepreneurs where they actually think that they are the best at everything from their company and figuring out how to leave the company while it's just working. That's the biggest challenge. And what I found, I read a book called The E-Myth, which is the entrepreneur myth, where he, talk, he talks about Michael Gerber talks how the technician is the person that actually does the work, which you were talking about earlier. Yep. And then the business owner is the one that actually puts the people in the right seats so that the company can operate without them. So yeah. I, it's funny. I actually read this book before and I got bored. And then <laughs> Wrong time. it wasn't, a, it, I had tried to read it like 10 years ago and I got bored. And then now when we started this Airbnb management company, I realized like, man, we have had about 10 properties and it was a lot of work. And I was yeah. running around like crazy, answering calls 24 seven. Right. And I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. So I asked my brother, he said, dude, you should read the E-Myth. I told you 10 years ago, read the freaking book. Right. It's right there. So I read it. I start watching some YouTube videos on it. And I'm like, okay, done. I realized that I'm actually the marketing person. I'm the customer service person. I'm the accountant. I'm the lawyer. I'm everything. So I decided that the second best decision I did is I hired a, an assistant who became my, my general manager. I'm basically the chief operating officer of the company. Yeah. And I had to give up all the money I was making on my own to fill that position. And making that was the hardest, but the best decision I've done for sure. Yeah. And so in that decision, obviously, like you said, it cost you a lot of money or at least up front. But then I assume with you being free to go do the things that are best suited to your skill set and time that the business has grown. Correct. Yeah. We went from having 10 properties to having about now we have about 30 properties. We went from making, I think we were making about $300,000 a year to this year we made 1.2 million. So we 4X the business from what I was doing on my own to what right. I could do with the team. The lesson here is that if you can swallow that, that, that pill of giving somebody your salary for a little while, yep. just make sure you hire somebody that's capable and that understands your vision and that they're willing to drive the company with you. And then once you have all this time available, now you have to go and, and get more business so that yep. you can generate extra revenue so that you can pay. So I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed from even other masterminds and just talking to other entrepreneurs is to see that cost of the assistant, that first person, like if you're by yourself running a company and you're just going crazy, your very first hire needs to be an assistant. It's got to be somebody that's going to take on all the admin work that you're not very good at, that takes you a lot of time. And you can always hire somebody and if they don't work, you can just replace them for someone else, right? You don't have to see it as, let's say the cost is a hundred grand a year. Don't think of a hundred thousand. Think of a hundred thousand divided by 12. And what would right. be your monthly cost of that position? 
yep. and how much time you get back to go and get more business. So when you look at it that way, it's actually not that expensive. Yeah. Hey, Kings and Queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. I love that, that, that not only just the mindset of breaking it down, but also too, I think that what you said earlier, as far as having it for a period of time, a short period of time, I've done this example with several entrepreneurs. I've, I'm in the process of doing it right now with one of my companies. It's okay. So this company is at this level. It needs to go here, but in order to really get there, I need this specific person in place, which is going to cost this. But as soon as I make that move, it's going to then give me the ability to take my skill sets like I have done in so many other businesses to be able to go grow the top line, the revenue piece. And that's how it works. It's a given, it's a give and take. And so I love the way that you said that. Yeah, it's um, not even sure. a cost. It's more of an investment. I think people think of an investment as, okay, stuff like I'm going to invest in a vehicle. I'm going to invest in equipment. Right. I'm going to invest in software, but you don't think of Something's going to make me investment. money. Yeah. But at the end of the day, companies don't run themselves. They have people there. You just got to make sure you get the very best talent that your dollars can afford, yep. pay them really well. One of the things that I've actually started to implement from some of my mentors is to try to figure out how to, he said, if you want to be rich, figure out how to make your employees rich and then you'll become rich. And it's always stuck with me. Now I, I think of every time I bring somebody in, I'm always thinking, how can I pay them like a lot more than my competition? That's really my focus. Cause I know if I take care of them, they'll take care of the company. And it's yep. just uh, something that is going to happen on its own. hundred percent. Yeah. I think the other thing too, to think about that you just described, I mean, this is, I'm just pointing this out for the listener is that when you think in longer sets of time, right? If I'm really going to try to grow this company over the next 12 months or 36 months or 10 years, then this hire today, like you said, it costs me something, but it's an investment in the 10-year vision. And if I'm trying to build something that's sustainable, then this is just a piece to the puzzle that has to go in. And if you're at that, if you're at that, you know, that stage in the puzzle, then you can't operate the next piece without it. So For sure. um, you're hundred percent right. Okay. Let's flip the coin though. Tell me about a bad decision that you made that just was debilitating to the business. I think that uh, to my current business or the previous business. Actually, I'll tell story. you about that. When I was, uh, when I did that, when I was running my kite surfing school, I hired a general manager and I made a mistake. I had promised him to give him a profit share of the business. That was one of the ways that we were, I was going to compensate him for, for driving the business. And the idea behind that is that I wouldn't have to pay him that much money up front, and he would right. be more like a salesman. Right. And it, there was some truth to that. It, there was, it actually made sense, but it wasn't very clear. It wasn't all in paper. I hadn't created proper expectations of what it was. So he did a really good job at first. But once the business started taking off, now he wanted to be like more of a limited owner, limited partner type where he wasn't even showing up. And his role was to general manage the whole business. So they- Hard to do that if you don't show up. Yeah, I started realizing he wasn't showing up. Sales were dropping. And I was wondering what happened. And I think that what happened is I didn't, 
I hired a really good person that had the skills that they wanted to grow, but I wasn't very clear in explaining to him like, hey, listen, this is your role. And the moment that you step out of your role, I'm, I have to replace you with someone else because I'm not going to go back and become the general manager. And then the other thing that happened was that with the profits, I hadn't really figured that out properly. And when it came time to pay the profits and we didn't have any money on those off months where we were not making any money, he right. still wanted to get paid profits. And right. I, I had to go back and say, bro, like there's no money. Like not there's no works. profit to do. I think that the mistake was just not making things very clear. So right. now when I hire people, I let them know that, that it's gotta be like a really clear moment that we're very clear on the direction of the, of what we're trying to get to. Yeah. Yeah. The expectations are everything. For sure. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to this. I can relate in having uh, different leadership positions over the years, even in current companies right now that we're building, it's like there's, there's changing water. So it's never, it can, it should be clear, but sometimes it changes is my point. And so I think that as long as you're in good communication, but still good communication is part of good expectation. I think you make a great point there. What do you think you've said a couple of things here, like the hiring other people. And I've, I've had to be honest, the person that's listening right now, six figures, they've probably hired a few other people, but maybe not that key role. And so even in the previous business that you said that you don't even have anymore, you hired that key role of a general manager and or a lead partner almost. What do you feel like has given you the confidence to be able to go hire that type of a person who you're going to share a profit with, or maybe someone you just pay a really good salary to like, how is that? How, what have you gone through to give you that level of confidence? It was mostly pain. It was pain of having to scramble, man. <laughs> I want to have a life. What's the point of making money and like making all this money where I can't really enjoy it. I can't really. And it's also like a combination of like, when you start listening to other mentors that have been there and done that, and they right. say, listen, do you want to be the technician or you want to be the owner? For me, I've always been like, no, I want to experience being the owner. And then they say, if you want to be the owner, you got to act like it. You can't be picking up the phone call yourself. You can't be like meeting the people in person. You got to be like the owner where somebody's coming in and they are measuring certain metrics or KPIs, whatever you want to call it. So that you know that you actually own the business, the business doesn't own you. So once you start like having conversations with people that are at that level and they're obviously having bigger companies, you realize that this is how they think, right? They think about how do I put somebody there that can do the work and not myself. So it's more of a, the confidence came from pain and it also came from education through mentors like yourself and other people that have been there and done that through mm -hmm. YouTube channels, social media, et cetera, and just applying it. I figured the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. I can always go back and run the business and I know it's going to work. But then I started having these visions of what life could be like if I became the owner and all the things that I could do and all the things that I would be capable of doing. And then when I started having those visions, that became more exciting than being the, the star of the show. Right. The star of the show is cool as long as you don't have ambitions of going bigger. But the moment you want to go bigger, being the star of the show is the thing that's holding you back. So that's for me, it was the biggest thing. That's huge, man. I love the perspective there of the star. I think that uh, we all like to read our own press clippings, but you're right. The business owner is the facilitator of the whole thing. He doesn't have to be the guy. Okay. I want to go to the speed round here. You just mentioned KPIs and you just mentioned having this ability to track things as a business owner. So I want to know if you dwindled it down to one metric, literally just one, what would the one metric be that you would track inside your business forever and ever? In my business, I would say reviews. Like reviews for a hospitality business and short term right. rental business is the one metric that tells you that your business is delivering to the customer, delivering to the guest. If you have really good reviews, 
that means right. you're offering them tremendous value, right? So that's one metric that I would always, if it, that's the, like basically the most important thing when it comes, if you think of a restaurant, the best reviewed restaurants always do the best. They get to charge the highest prices. They have lines out the door. So the right. same thing is for accommodations. If you have the best reviewed hotel or Airbnb, that means you get to charge more money. That means you get to, you, that means you're cleaning it properly. That means it's getting managed properly. People are happy. So that's the one metric for sure that you got to focus on. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Reviews are huge for any business, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. For short-term rental, it's, it's definitely the lifeblood. That's for sure. Okay. So you've already mentioned E-Myth. Would that be the book that you recommend that a six-figure person read? Or would there be another one that you'd also throw? I've read a couple of really life-changing books. The first one that I read before that one was The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. So this yeah. book was awesome. I read it when I was starting my kite school and I was traveling the world and I got this concept where I could travel the world, hire an assistant and do all right. these cool things. So that's yep. always stuck with me. The rich that poor that if you're into real estate or if you're an entrepreneur and you need to understand how the tax code was created for landlords and for real estate investors and for big business owners. If you don't yep. understand this, you got to read this book. This book has single-handedly change so many people's lives and perspective right. when it yep. comes to the game of economics on the world. I also, the E-Myth is a great book for somebody that's running a company and they feel they're running around like crazy and they don't know how to get out of that. And they want yeah. to be able to get to the next level. Yeah, for sure. I just read a book called $100 million Offers by oh, Alex yeah. Hermosi. Yeah, uh, great book. Have you read that book? Yeah, great book. It's an amazing book. Yeah, it tells you about how to create a, an offer that is so compelling and it's such a fantastic offer that you would be stupid not to take it. So then, now I start thinking about how can I apply that into my business in the future and how to uncommoditize something so that you can't even compare it to something else. So exactly. yeah, man, I think that um, there's so many books I've read. I can't even like- That's but good. I, those you've good you've given a ton in that quick answer. <laughs> I think that uh, my, my producer is going to have a hard enough time just listing those. I think it's great. All those books, literally, I've read all of them and most of them, I read them multiple times. And I highly recommend all of those. I love how you gave a quick synopsis on each one. Just that in itself was valuable. Yeah, for sure. What you've already mentioned, you mentioned a couple of times, uh, mentors and masterminds. Do you find value in masterminding or networking with other entrepreneurs? Yes. I, seven months ago, I was, I felt like I had hit a plateau in my business sure. where I could, I wanted to go from owning single family, like apartments and houses, et cetera, and getting into the commercial space, right. And buying apartment buildings essentially and hotels. And I just don't know anybody that's done that in my network, but I right. knew I wanted to do it. I'm sure there's other people that are doing it. So right. I started researching, how can I do this? And I bumped into a couple of masterminds that are for multifamily investors. Yeah, I hopped in on a, a weekend seminar. I learned a bunch of tactical information. I yeah. loved it. It made me realize that I actually need to be even closer to these people so that I can accomplish what I want. There's no way that I can just from a course do right. this stuff. I got to be like very close to them. Right. So then they had a mastermind. They had a couple of masterminds uh, lined up. And I've learned like, basically, I would say more than I've learned in my last years of entrepreneurship in a matter of about six to seven months wow. in terms of really how to do this game properly yeah. when it comes to partnerships, when it comes about comes to understanding how to offer value to other people instead of having to take and try to extract information from other people. 
as much right. giving gifts to other people, giving them your time, right. doing social media, the impact of social media and a per- developing a personal brand. So it's just being like a monumental value. Joining a mastermind, if you're really serious about getting to the next level, you this is the single best investment you can do. Yeah, I agree. Networking, relationships, the knowledge, what you don't know, who you don't know, all of that is available so for you on the other so. side. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I got one question for you here and then we'll go to the very last one. I want to make sure we get it, get them both in. If you only had one hour to work on your business, maybe bring a little Tim Ferriss mindset into here, but one hour per week. Okay. One, what would you do inside of that one hour to successfully run your business like you do now? I would figure out what are the top three to five things that, that are going to impact the business positively when it comes to the current operations and the future like tasks and goals. As an example, I mentioned earlier, checking the reviews. That would be one good metric that I would want to sit down with my management team. And I would like to look at the reviews, how we're doing. I want to look at you know, how much money we're making if we're on track to hit the goals for the month and what we're doing in the next break. So I would figure out that one hour. I would make sure that my team can give me a snapshot view of what's going on in the business. And I would spend a little bit of time verifying that information to make sure that they're, that it's true. And I think that would be a good way to spend my hour. And then I would go have some fun in the water. Go kite surfing. There you go. I love it. That's good. I got to have a little fun in there. Okay. Last question, Juan. If you lost it all, no more short-term rentals in Puerto Rico, what would you do? That is a very good question. That actually doesn't scare me as much. And the reason is because all of my expertise is in my brain, as long as I, I have still this working and my head is working and I'm still motivated. I think at the end of the day, it's all about connections and the people, you know, depending if you have a really good network of people, you have a big net worth all the time. So I would say I would start reaching out to people that I know that are having some sort of business and I would offer them free value, right? I would just offer them whatever it is that I can do for them. I would just do it for free. And I think that would be the single best way of getting something going again would be to go after the players that already have companies that are producing income. And I would say, hey, dude, I have some time. I would love to offer value in your business in, let's say, if it's marketing, sales, or even the service itself. I'm not, I don't want anything to get anything out of it. I just want to bring you some value. And then I would just let that organically become something again of like another business. I love it. Love the answer. You've been just a huge value here. How can, you know, one of the listeners, how can they reach out to you, Juan? How can they find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Instagram under the JC Morales. So the JC Morales on Instagram, Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel under Juan, that's with a J, Juan Carlos Morales or Juan Carlos Morales for those that speak Espanol. (laughs) And yeah, man, if you want to connect with me, send me a DM. I'd love to meet you. And let me know what you got going on. And I'm happy to answer any questions, make videos for you guys, whatever you want. That's awesome, man. We appreciate your time. It's, it does not go unnoticed. And for the listeners here today, just before I exit, Juan has been standing in front of this beautiful island there on his wall. You haven't gotten to enjoy it like I have, but this guy obviously has a ton going on. I want you to reach out and connect. But Juan, we wish you absolutely nothing but success, man. You have been incredible. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Chaz, and keep crushing it. And I look forward to uh, doing another one with you in the future. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more 
to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.